0: And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Coming up, two centers in the Saskatchewan grain belt had very light frost early yesterday. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland, working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry Shepherd at 352 1866. The 6.20 CKRM farm weather forecast for today. Sunny skies. Wind southeast 20 becoming light this afternoon. The high 27. Today the low 6. Tomorrow sunny. Wind northwest 20. The high 23. The low 6. Wednesday sunny with a high 25. The low 9. Thursday increasing cloudiness. The high 27. Periods of evening rain Thursday. The low 16. Friday, partly cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 24, the low 12. Saturday, partly cloudy, 30% chance of showers, the high 25, the low 11. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high near 23. Normal high is 24, the normal low is 9. The sun rose at 5.52 this morning. It sets at 8.12 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Valmarie in the southwest corner at 28. The cold spot, up north, Collins Bay, at 9 degrees. Estevan is 24. Saskatoon, 17. Swift Current, 24. Weyburn, 23. Yorkton is 18. In Regina, with sunny skies, it's 21. That's 70 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the east, southeast at 15. Humidity, 53%. The dropping, 101.1. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 22. Winds are from the southeast at 17. Once again, Regina, sunny and 21. That's 70 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Agri-News is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers Ag Division. Forget the rest. Sell with the best online at McDougallAuction.com. And brought to you by Edge Microactive, the new weapon against weed resistance. Visit gowancanada.com for more information. A cold, low-pressure northern air mass brought record low temperatures to several locations in Saskatchewan early Sunday and Monday. The weather office says Last Mountain Lake hit minus 0.6 degrees early yesterday and 1.3 degrees today, setting new records. North Battleford also had half a degree of frost early yesterday, breaking the old record of plus 1.7 degrees set in 1895. Regina had a new record yesterday of 2 degrees, breaking the old record of 2.8, set in 1901. Saskatoon reached 0.7 degrees early yesterday, breaking the old record of 2.2 set in 1940. This morning, the temperature dipped to 1.7 at Watrous, 2.4 at Broadview, and 3 degrees in Elbow and Indian Head. Natalie Hazel at the weather office says the temperatures will gradually warm up later this week. We should see a recuperation
1: of, like, back to seasonal by uh, later this week. Daytime temperatures are actually already going to be at normal or above normal starting today nighttime temperatures will only kind of get back to normal on wednesday but we're not expecting very very cold for this time of year temperatures tonight or tomorrow morning so should be a little bit better
0: provincial crops analyst Corey jacobs says there may be some light frost damage to late maturing crops he says it will take a few days to determine if there is any damage
2: there's definitely a possibility of damage it's more getting out there and assessing it, it giving it some time to, to see it wasn't at least a hard frost we're talking minus three or minus four it also depends on how long the frost duration was you know whether it be an hour or two or you know a multiple hour frost event definitely need to be out and be aware of it but really it's, it's giving it a few days and assessing if there is damage i'm, I'm going to assume it wouldn't be too severe but there's always exceptions when I, when I see that, but definitely the possibility, from, I would see, for some layer damage with the frost of minus, like you were saying, half a degree or, or minus one.
0: Wasn't even quite minus one, minus 0. 0.6 in Last Mountain Lake, North Battleford, minus 0. 0.5, but the, the crops were later this year too, weren't they? That makes it, they're even more susceptible.
2: Yes, we do have a lot of crops that are still, you know, they are behind, easily a couple of weeks from what I've been seeing and hearing. Definitely, if they're not mature, you know, they're in those more susceptible stages. So definitely is a, is a possibility, but it's kind of waiting and seeing for producers now. Yeah, we, um, it's been one of those years where uh, we're kind of getting everything thrown at us, including the kitchen sink.
0: But you're saying it's really too early to tell if there's any damage?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if it's, we need to give it a few days and see how the plants are recovering and how they're looking, if they're wilting or not, and just, you know, giving it some time and seeing. It's one of those things that it's a little bit of patience, but overall, I don't think it'll be too severe of damage, especially if it was localized frost events.
0: Do you suggest farmers go out and have a look in those areas?
2: Absolutely. You know, go out. Look at different spots in your field. If you're not sure, there's agrologists out there as well. Take a, take a walk. Go do some scouting. Just look for frost damage. See if the plants are wilting, if, they've, if they're not or if they are. And just, you know, see. It, it'll be pretty easy to tell if they've been quite stricken with frost.
0: But in summary, you don't expect much damage if there is any damage at all?
2: Yes, well, I mean, you know, usually a hard frost, you know, minus three or minus four, for a longer period of time, that would cause the the more crop damage. A lighter frost, not as much damage, especially if it was for only a few hours or, or, you know, a longer duration of time. It just, it causes less damage to the plants.
0: Corey Jacob is the Provincial Crop Specialist in Moose Jaw. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business. Call 782-5999. Farmers in Saskatchewan have reported the most damage from prairie hailstorms so far this year, with nearly 7,000 claims filed by mid-year. The hail claim season ends in October. The president of the Canadian Crop Hail Association, Rick Omolchenko, says hail claim activity is up slightly from the five-year average for Saskatchewan.
3: We have pretty well 7,000 claims uh, filed to date by the Canadian Crop Hail Association member companies uh, compared to received uh, like, you know, more than 10,000 claims across the prairies. And there's about 46% of them that are done. So... Uh, we're coming up with numbers in Alberta about two thousand claims, approximately in Manitoba about thirteen hundred, and Saskatchewan over sixty nine hundred.
0: So Saskatchewan, of course, has the largest number of claims. How severe are the claims?
3: Right now, there's like there are some really, really severe areas. They're not law like large areas. Seems like there's multiple areas that are being hit, and in amongst those areas, everything there's areas of severity. That are badly gone. Like they're 100% gone. But it tapers off really quickly, and our guys are having to really do a really good job on catching every corner because it just comes up and down quick.
0: And I assume these were tennis ball size hailstones. Which were the worst hit areas?
3: It's all over the place. There's, you know, you've got your Estons, you've got your uh, Macklin's, you've got your Three Hills, Trochu Vulcan. There's a lot of areas that have been hit, and I just can't name them all now, but there's some really bad ones.
0: What was the range of hailstone sizes?
3: Like this lately here, we've had up to baseball size, but this year it's from pea to baseball and almost every storm has large hail in it. And it's, uh, you know, But usually the larger the hail, the less damage it does to a crop, but more damage to private property. But it's finding that we're, there's some pretty large uh, hail like in that kind of, uh, I don't know, be large marble size or uh, large, almost smaller, a little bit smaller than a tennis ball that are coming down in massive amounts.
0: The range of loss you you, you talked about yeah,
3: that it's tapered off like right now it's tapered off this last few weeks here or a couple of weeks that our claims coming in are a lot less and we're able to catch up but the range of damage is now we're out there actually assessing the damage and we're able to predict whether the crop is going to make it or not for the fall and there's not much for deferrals going on but there's some there's guys getting a hundred percent but then it tapers off really quickly like I said but every corner has to be checked by our guys and it's a uh, it's hard work.
0: How does it compare this season, your midseason, you said, to, to an average year?
3: Yeah, like Manitoba is a little bit, they're under average. Uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, uh, compared to last year, are a little bit above average right now. Like I said, we've had probably, you know, 7,000 claims filed right now. You know, we had over 11,000 last year. We're looking at being ahead of schedule unless things turn off right now for storms, which uh, I think that's what's going to happen. The weather's a little cooler. But, uh, you know, there's some harvest effects other than hail this year uh, that are going to take place. There's a lot of areas that are really, really wet and there's a lot of areas that are very, very dry that are going to affect harvest.
0: So that doesn't affect the hail claims though?
3: Well, the dry areas kind of does. It makes it a little bit more difficult because these plants are they're not looking that well, they're not producing that well, and they're not recovering very well. So it just puts a little stress on more. You have to really take in a little more detail and really be careful on, on how you're assessing these plants for viability. And then where it's too wet, well, now they're dying because of root rot and all that kind of stuff, disease that really isn't from the hail. But there's been hail there. So the guys are having a tough job out there. You know, they've got to cipher what's, what's hail and what's not hail.
0: Omolchenko says 46% of the hail claims have been processed so far. CN Rail is highlighting the importance of the port of Prince Rupert, B.C. as the railway celebrates its 100th anniversary. The director of sales and marketing at CN Rail, David Shidnovic, says Prince Rupert is one to one and a half day sailing closer to Asia than other West Coast ports. Offering
4: vessel freight rate savings to shippers. And it's also the first stop on the way down the West Coast to North America for this reason as well, which is an advantage when it comes to the intermodal business in particular. It's also the deepest water port along the west coast, allowing it to handle some of the largest bulk and container vessels in the world. When it comes to grain handling assets at Prince Rupert, you have Prince Rupert Grain, which we'll cover in greater depth in a second, and Raymont Logistics. Raymond opened its grain transload facility back in the fall of 2017, and is capable of receiving unit trains of grain and stuffing into export containers. Shidnowick says Prince Rupert is an efficient grain export port. So Prince Rupert Grain Terminal was built back in the early 1980s by six companies. United Grain Growers, Sask Wheat Pool, Alberta Wheat Pool, Manitoba Pool Elevators, Cargill and Richardson. It was backed in large part financially by the Alberta government through loans and other guarantees. Today, it's owned by Viterra, Richardson and Cargill. On paper, PRG has a nameplate capacity of over 7 million metric tons run hard year round. Highest throughput was recorded in the 2015-16 crop year at 6.2 million tons. Primary commodities handled are wheat, canola, as well as feed barley. Licensed storage capacity is 209,500 metric tons, which makes its effective working capacity more like 175,000. PRG primarily loads Panamax, or post-Panamax, vessels, and can handle up to Suezmex vessels of 145,000 deadweight. Soviet Marshall-class vessels, which were baby cape-sized vessels, called on Prince Rupert back in the day. Today it's full cargoes, typically meaning only one commodity loaded per vessel, although you might see multiple grades of wheat loaded or blended. Shidnovic outlines other key advantages of the Prince Rupert grain terminal. So first there's a ton of rail yard capacity up there. The yard serving Prince Rupert grain has a capacity of 600 cars which is huge. Remember most Vancouver terminals have a series of ladder tracks that adds complexity and inefficient to switching operations. Certain export terminals in Vancouver cannot even receive a unit train in a single placement. CN has run 200 plus car grain trains up to Prince Rupert and having the yard space to do it is part of the story here. It's also a spot that's a great fit for customers running private unit trains because those sets can be kept together much more easily as discrete sets compared to other export terminals. Next is rail car unload capacity. With the rail car indexer project that PRG completed last summer up to 220 cars per day can be unloaded basis two shifts. And PRG can load fast. Three tower-mounted shiploaders and eight shipping bins of 750 tons apiece. Average production or loading efficiency varies by commodity, of course, but PRG can average up to 3,800 tons per hour loaded on wheat and more like 3,200 tons per hour loaded on canola. When you get a break in the weather in Prince Rupert, you can make up a lot of time. And remember, Prince Rupert is one of the rainiest spots in all of Canada. Shednovic says CN Rail has plans to improve the rail link to Prince Rupert. First, I'd mention as well that CN's going to be adding another three miles of double track and a new siding this year between Prince Rupert and Taverna, which is where the CN route forks between Vancouver and Prince Rupert. That's on the top of the sidings that were added and extended in 2018 between Prince Rupert and Jasper. The biggest of the three projects that the NTCF will fund in part is the Fairview-Ridley Island Connector. This route will provide a five-kilometer private haul road between Fairview Container Terminal and Ridley Island, and will include two new rail sidings as well. The private road will allow container trucks to move more efficiently and support future infrastructure growth. The route will reduce truck length of haul from 20 kilometers to just five and truck traffic will no longer have to transit downtown Prince Rupert. The second project is the 3.2 million dollars towards the engineering and design of the upgrade of the single-track Sinardi Bridge which is CN's main point of entry and exit to the port. Finally, $3.7 $3.7 million will go towards engineering and design for future expansion of the port's railroad utility corridor that will support access to any future terminals on Ridley Island. David Shidnovic is the Director of
0: Sales and Marketing at CN Rail. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation call 1-800-284-9999. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading today. Viterra's prices for canola fell $1.50 at $409.26. Oats dropped $242 at $167.54. 1 red spring wheat declined 29 cents at $202.81. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 2.39.51. dollars Feed barley, 172 63 Flax, 4.64.93. dollars Yellow peas, $220.47. Feed wheat, 127.78 on the minneapolis grain exchange september wheat is down two cents at 504 and a quarter cent a bushel the livestock quotes are brought to you by the assiniboia and wayburn livestock auctions call assiniboia 642-4180 or wayburn 842-4574
1: heartland livestock marker report tony peacock reporting from the swift current yards light run last week with the cow market losing some ground although we did have a lot of uh, wet cows, older cows, culled cows were thinner. Certainly, that shows in the averages. But again, the very, very best cows this week bringing ninety-five instead of a dollar five. Straight through, we're averaging eighty-five. All the cows in the arena into the bull market. Bull market steady to maybe a little bit higher. They drop at one twenty-three. They average about eight on every bull that went through the sales ring. Uh, we were very short on feeder cattle through the week. In fact, the DLMS Thursday sale got put off to next. Next week, a lot of that has to do with the packing plant fire through the board into a skewer. It dropped. We really don't think that that's a long-term dimension. Just give it a week and it'll sort itself out. And that's the way it is. Cattle country, heartland, swift current.
0: Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. We have today's quotes, Sig 5, TCP, BP2. The payment is 181.27 per 100 kilograms per CKG. For BP4, TCP4, it's 187.86 per CKG. The outlook today, increasing cloudiness, 30% chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm. In Regina, sunny and 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.